Chris. All right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. The president opened the door for Russia to mess with our next election, and that gives our first guest a bad case of deja vu. He is Andrew McCabe. Here tonight, you know him. He took over for the FBI when Comey was fired. He launched the obstruction and counterintelligence investigations into the president. Remember why? Fearing he could be a Russian asset. How does he weigh the president's latest words? And what does he think Russia could try next if we do nothing to harden the election? And that was Mueller's most pressing warning. Fix the system. This will happen again. So why has Congress done almost nothing about it? Is the Senate's majority leader intentionally trying to let Russia interfere again? If not, why does he do nothing? We're going to pull back the curtain on Mitch McConnell. And the curtain's about to drop on Sarah Sanders. A government watchdog calls for the firing of the president's most effective mouthpiece, Kellyanne Conway. Tough day for the president. Who will be left around him? Let's get after it. All right, so the head of the Federal Election Commission has just delivered a scathing rebuke to President Trump. This is new. It's an unprecedented reminder. Here's the quote. Let me make something 100 percent clear, Ellen Weintraub says. It is illegal for any person to solicit, accept or receive anything of value from a foreign national in connection with a U.S. election. She also put out a tweet saying, quote, I would not have thought that I needed to say this. Former acting FBI director here tonight, Andrew McCabe, says the latest comments from the president reaffirm what raised red flags for him back in 2017. He is the author of The Threat, How the FBI Protects America in the Age of Terror and Trump. Good to have you back. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. So, Andrew, there is a big division between what the president and his people want the message to be on this. The president says it's okay to take information. Rudy Giuliani says it's okay to take information from the Russians. Jared Kushner says, I don't know if I got solicited again for information from the Russians, whether I would tell the FBI. What is the line for you and why do you believe they deal with it this way? Chris, the line for me, the line for investigators in the FBI, the line for experienced people in politics, campaign after campaign after campaign, the line is very clear. It is not acceptable to take anything from a foreign power, certainly not a hostile foreign power, certainly not the government of Russia. The reason we have such clear lines about this uh, sort of activity is because of the importance of keeping foreign influence out of our elections. So when the president gets on television last night and tells the world that he thinks it's perfectly fine to sit down with foreign agents, to sit down with representatives, possibly even from Russia, to hear what they have to say and to receive what they are offering is just absolutely wrong. The president and his supporters are wrong about that. Now, we have to assume they know what the law is. I know that Don Jr. got a pass from Mueller because they couldn't prove that he did know that he was breaking the law. One of the rare instances that mistake of the law works in your favor. But why do you think they flout what is a pretty obvious standard? 
You know, I don't, I don't know that I can answer that conclusively for you, Chris. It did seem to me, as I listened to the president's comments last night, that what we were witnessing is yet another example of the president's efforts to try to normalize his own aberrant behavior, to try to normalize his departure from precedent, and in this case, possibly even violations of law. And he does that by tossing off these comments in an offhanded way and then couching them with phrases like, well, it's okay because everybody does it. It's clearly not okay. We've heard that from the Federal Election uh, Committee leadership, uh, Commission leadership today, um, and it's, it's, it's well within the understanding of anybody who's ever been involved in this business. It's just not something that you do because the stakes are so high. Does the argument that, yeah, okay, you shouldn't uh, have Russians giving you anything and you shouldn't have been uh, paying Russians for information to amass a dossier the way Clinton did. Do you see these as analogs? Not at all, Chris. There's no equivalence between those two examples. Um, To say, to openly invite foreign intelligence officers, representatives from a hostile foreign government to to steal information, to acquire opposition research in any way, in any illegal way that they might do that and to present it to you is one thing. To For a campaign to hire a law firm, an American law firm, who then turns around and hires an American research company who then contracts out with a foreign individual, that is not illegal. Campaigns are allowed to hire uh, right. individuals, foreign individuals, uh, and to pay those individuals for the services that they provide. And I would add too, Chris, that in the example of the Clinton campaign, it was that very foreign individual who stepped forward and provided the information he had collected to the FBI simply because he was so troubled by what he was seeing. So it's it's odd that a foreign individual involved in the campaign process was familiar enough with the threat and with the with the concerns that that information posed that he stepped forward and provided it to the FBI, not something obviously that the president and his staff would be willing to do. Let me ask you something. If it happens again, God forbid, and we see proof that uh, it was once again designed to help the Trump campaign, do you have any concerns about whether this attorney general this DOJ leadership would even open an investigation if it were going to be into the president? I think that's a great question, Chris. I don't have any concerns that the men and women in the FBI, the folks who watch Russia every single day, spend their careers trying to hold back Russian aggression, I don't have any doubt that they would make the same recommendations that when they have information that indicates a threat to national security exists, that an investigation should be pursued. Whether or not the leadership at the Justice Department would support an investigation like that right now or in the future is a very good question. Mm. I sincerely hope we don't have the facts to find out the answer to that question. But from all indications, from the lack of activity that Congress and others have focused on protecting our election systems, um, it is, I think, the the future for our elections and the possibility of foreign influence and foreign meddling is one that we better start confronting in a serious way. We are told that the AG wants to investigate the investigators. Do you have anything that you regret? And what do you think the chances are that in that investigation, they find that people at the top, whether it was you or somebody else, let's say somebody else, not you, 
uh, did things that they should not have done or did them in a way they should not have done them. What do you think the chances that comes up? I'd be very surprised to hear about anything like that emanating from the decisions that were made or the actions that were taken within the FBI. I'm very familiar with those actions and those decisions. I wouldn't make any of the decisions I made any differently. Um, and I know that we've been down this road before. We've been under investigation about uh, the events of the, uh, of the Russian uh, investigation and, of course, the Clinton email investigation since January of 2017. And so far, the efforts of the IG and others who've looked into it have found repeatedly no indication of bias, no indication of improper considerations uh, in any of the decisions we made. So I'd be surprised to hear anything different coming from this investigation. Put on a different hat for a second. You're working as counsel for Congress now. And they uh, come to you and say, what's your opinion on this? Should we impeach or not? Do you think we have what we need for an impeachment inquiry? Because clearly they're stuck. But I think they're looking at it through a political lens of consequence more than anything else. Do you believe that an impeachment inquiry is warranted based on what you understand and what has come out in the Mueller report? Absolutely. Chris, I'm not a political person. I'm not a political operative. I respect uh, the House leadership and the fact that they may be considering, you know, a lot of uh, polls and, uh, and, and political strategy in the way they're figuring out what to do next. That's not my business. My business is investigations, evidence, finding information and exposing that information when when the American public has a right to know it. I think we are clearly there with the results of the special counsel team. There are so many witnesses who could provide important, essential testimony to Congress that can only be done in the scope of an impeachment inquiry. I think that action should be taken immediately, and I think people should finally hear for themselves exactly what those witnesses have to say. Whether or not that results in articles of impeachment and a trial right. in the Senate and all those sorts of things is beside the point. I think the American people have a right to hear from the witnesses and understand exactly what actions the president engaged in. And they have the opportunity to factor that information into their decisions, their voting decisions, whatever that might be going forward. The time has come to get that information out. Andrew McCabe, thank you very much. As we understand more and we need more understanding, I welcome you back on the show. Thank you, sir. All right. So this is getting complicated in terms of trying to figure out how to stop Russia. The president is making it more complicated. But it's not just him. His main man on the Hill is running interference of his own. We have the facts of what is and is not happening and likely why, especially where Mitch McConnell is involved. Facts first, next. The irony, there's basically one fact that everyone accepts, except this president, about Russian interference. And it is the most important fact, and it is this. There were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. And those in the business of figuring out what happens next all believes it will happen again. It deserves so much attention that Mueller put it on page one of his report. The FBI, CIA, even Barr, and the president's secretary of state, the head of DHS, Department of Homeland Security, the national security advisor, they all agree. And yet stopping the interference from happening again seems to be no one's priority. Democrats in Congress 
They have some 30 active investigations underway. All are about the president in one way or another. There's so many we had to build it on a scroll to list them all. This is in addition to the attorney general's investigation of the investigators and his own inspector general's investigation of the same thing. The right is dogged about the dossier and Clinton, Clinton, Clinton and spying. But what's been done to harden the election security? Punishment for what was done in 2016, sanctions on Russia. We remember that story. The administration slow walked those. But they didn't really make it harder to interfere the next time. There was also a check cut to some states to help with the midterms. But that's not about 2020. There's been nothing. We don't even have the social media folks on board with a set of parameters for all to follow or else. There's not even a real plan that we know about to harden the ballot infrastructure. How? When you know they want to do it again. But doesn't mean everybody's just sitting on their hands. There have been a flurry of bills dealing with election security, some with bipartisan sponsors. There are about 14 of them in the House, another 16 in the Senate. But none of it is going anywhere because Senator Mitch McConnell would have you believe everything's already okay. Thanks to efforts across the federal government in 2018, We were ready. Were we? That nothing to see here attitude is a recurring theme from Mr. McConnell. You remember when President Obama wanted to go public with Russian meddling before the 2016 election. Now, look, there's criticism there about just going it alone. You were the president. It's your administration. But he went to McConnell to make it a joint effort. And he was the one who reportedly refused to make it a bipartisan message. That would wind up motivating an arguably poor decision by the administration to keep it quiet anyway. The bigger question is, why does McConnell balk? He claimed First Amendment objections when he shot down legislation that called for a disclosure of who's buying political ads or donating to certain groups. But even standalone measures backed by his own caucus have gone nowhere. The answer may simply be because he and his side benefited in 2016. Could he even be counting on benefiting the same way in 2020? If not, if he hates that suggestion, there's only one way to prove it. Do something to secure the elections. Now, when we return, what should be done about Kellyanne Conway? The office of the special counsel appointed by this president recommended something we have never heard before. Removal from government for violations of the Hatch Act. A great dilemma and a great debate. Next. Anytime I express a feeling about a candidate, people who want to make themselves relevant um, get airtime and Twitter time. So well, you got to be careful about the hatch act. You have to be careful about observing the rules of ethics there. The fallout of her remarks, which she just called feelings, are being felt today. The special counsel's office appointed by this president has nothing to do with Bob Mueller. It's just the same title. They found her in violation of the Hatch Act by, quote, disparaging Democratic presidential candidates while speaking in her official capacity during television interviews and on social media. The OSC is now calling for her removal. Right line of action? The start of tonight's great debate with Cenk Uger and Kaylee McEnany. Uh, Let's do it this way. For the prosecution, Uger, (laughs) should uh, Kellyanne Conway, should the president follow the OSC's recommendation. Of course they should. Uh, Here's another Trump administration official uh, who doesn't care about the law, brazenly violates the law. In fact, one of the things that they mentioned was 
look, uh, we kept telling her she's violating the Hatch Act, and she did it repeatedly. But this is no longer an administration. It's a criminal cartel. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, former national security advisor is a criminal. His former campaign manager is a criminal. His former personal attorney is a criminal. Now Kellyanne Conway, and of course, as Scramucci said, the fish rots from the head down. Before we get into the no, no, all the Clintons are criminals pushback, let's spare spare me that for a second. Kaylee, why doesn't she just say what Julian Castro said and what Kathleen Sebelius said? All right, I see what you don't want me to do. I won't do it anymore. Thank you very much for pointing it out. Let's move on. They didn't have any action recommended against them. This isn't an Obama person. This person was appointed by this president. Why doesn't Kellyanne, why doesn't the president come out and say she won't do this anymore? Because this is politically motivated. You look, and this was given, the 17-page memo was given to the White House at 5 p.m. on May 29th. They were given until 9 a.m. to respond the very next day. And you look, read the Hatch Act. It says it must be narrowly construed and expressly prohibited for it to be a violation. And there are no express prohibitions against social media accounts, especially personal ones that have been open in the case of Kellyanne Conway since 2000. 2012. And where, by the way, was OSC's memo uh, or response and recommendation that Josh Earnest be fired for excoriating President Trump from the White House podium under the, the White Obama House administration? You had two different cabinet officials called out. This is President Trump's special counsel. He appointed this person. How can it be politically motivated against him when it's his person? Well, it's politically motivated when you're giving it at five and said, give a response by 9 a.m. But it's his person, Kaylee. Help me understand that. Two 12 counts. Kaylee, you're not addressing the main issue, which is that she did it. And it wasn't just on social media. It was all over television. And it was, as the Office of Special Counsel pointed out, repeatedly and brazen. So are you ever going to say, hey, we're going to follow the law? You guys break the law what? nonstop, no, and you straight, claim that you're in favor of the really? rule of law. And this uh, is really? now Straight from the mouth times. of someone who can't get over the 2016 election, who ignores the mass violations and criminal activity of the Obama administration, the FISA warrant used to spy on the Trump campaign, the perjury of Andy McCabe, the guest you just had on. Uh, you continually Deflection. ignore the misdeeds of the Obama administration, and you can't get over the 2016 election. Nope, so you true. scream criminal cartel with no facts also, and just per- baseless accusation. No, I just listen, told you the on. facts. But look, and also, look, Kaylee, let's, we got three law degrees here, okay? Um, you can push back and make political arguments that everybody's bad, so why are you only picking on us? The problem is, you represent the current administration. And you want to talk about Andrew McCabe? I just had him on. Fine. Those are allegations that he didn't tell the truth. He denies them. I know you would respect that because you say it all the time about this president. When there are allegations made about him, you say, well, they're just allegations. He denies them. That takes us to the next topic. What he said he would be okay doing, all three of us know you're not supposed to do. You talk about narrowly construed. The law about not taking anything of value from a foreign person, forget about a government, is clear. Again, why not just say, of course I wouldn't do that. I was just saying that going to the FBI about everything is silly. Why doesn't he own that he gave an indication of something that shouldn't be done? 
Well, number one, I would say the president said I would likely both go to the FBI and listen to the information. I know, but you can't do both. Number, you can't do the wrong thing and the right thing. You have to pick. Number two, volume one, page 187 of the Mueller report, it literally says uh, there is no judicial opinion saying a thing of value is opposition research. And finally, the ultimate point is no one cares about the Steele dossier, a foreign spy paid by the Clinton campaign. And That's the exactly right. Wrote, he was paid by the, the campaign. But hold on a second. You get the legal analysis. You went to Harvard, for God's sake. They paid Steele. He didn't give them anything. It has to be a contribution, not an expenditure. And Cenk, Mueller said this type of information in the report can be construed as value. The reason he let off Don Jr. with two things. One was a real pass. One was, I don't think this was that valuable. He put some monetary value. It has to be at least $2,000. He didn't think this made it. The other one was, I think the guy was too dumb to know that he was breaking the law. And I think he gave him a break on that. If these comments from the president had come out before, I think Don Jr. would have been in trouble. But what do you think of that strategy? If the president came out, you're never going to vote for him. But if he said, hey, look, I shouldn't have said it that way. If anybody offers us anything like that, we're going to blow it up. We want no part of that. We don't need it to win. So, Chris, the reason he never admits to any faults, even though they're obvious and brazen, is because he's incredibly weak and insecure. And so a, a strong and confident person knows when they did something wrong and says it. But the reason Donald Trump said, I never go to the FBI, is because he's a lifelong criminal. He didn't and say he that. Always covers he up. didn't say I would never yeah, go to the FBI. He said, he said I would do lie. He said I would do No, 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 no. We can go to the quote. He said... Uh, my whole life, I haven't gone to the FBI. That's true. And, he did say that. Because, but he said, I think I would do both. Okay. I would listen, and then maybe I'd go to the FBI. But then, to be fair to Jenk, after and that in the, the interview, way, wait, wait, he contradicts Chris, it me... and says people don't go to the FBI. Congress does this all the time. Yeah, he absolutely contradicted it. But also, think about that. He says, first, I would break the law. Receiving something of value, which is clearly value, they had to put money Not and time to into doing the opposition report. research. And You're then he says, the yeah, after, keep going, Jack. That's not true. Yes. And so once he receives that information, he's already broken the law. It's like saying, well, I would rob the bank. Then I would go to the police and told him I robbed the bank. <laughs> well, then you'd still go to jail. So do you not But the care? reason he's Jinx, not going to jail, of course, not, is because Nancy Pelosi continues Jinx, to protect Jinx, him. Since you're obsessed with criminal activity that doesn't exist in the Trump administration, do you at all care about the Russian misinformation from a Russian Kremlin official paid for by the DNC? Or do you just not care because it's the DNC? So you know what you guys love to do is deflection. Right, you don't care. Didn't You're think attacking so. people. No, no, hold on, hold on. You're t- attacking people that are not in government right now, and you're going after Steele oh, so they're not and in government. Hillary they Clinton, who are not in power. Oh, We're talking gosh. about the president of the United States of America, who said in the past that maybe working with law enforcement should be illegal. And he talked about rats. He talks about him in a context of a mob boss. Maybe that's why his name is Don. It's not Don Carleone. It's you're Don Trump. And he runs a criminal enterprise. Steel, he went on national. TV and said, you shouldn't work with the FBI. I never work with the FBI. The FBI director says, this is criminal activity. He says, I think the FBI is wrong. You know who says that? Criminals say that. I thought you guys believed in the rule of law. You I thought clearly you guys don't care about cops. Christopher Steele and a Russian Kremlin official who gave information to the DNC. It doesn't fit you the definition of the statute. Clinton, not Trump. It, but it doesn't the, fit the definition of the statute, Kaylee. Let's put so aside the argument. So it's better if you buy Russian misinformation than receive information that's the whole point of a- the law. If you were going to say that they did something fraudulent, they bought fake information, they had something made up on purpose, fine, that's one case. But if you want to fit it into this area, you have to show that a foreigner 
provided value as a contribution to the campaign. You don't Chris, have it on the facts. What you're literally saying is it's and better Chris, to pay for Russia misinformation than listen to a foreign power and also inform the FBI. I would argue paying for Russia misinformation is pretty darn bad, and that's exactly what the DNC did. You can did. argue it, but one, you're assuming it's misinformation, and two, you're arguing that the law says something. It is it misinformation. Doesn't. Comey said okay? it's salacious yeah. and unverified. And, 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 and look what was, doing, Chris. Some Chris. was not. But listen, look, guys, I got to leave it there. Here's Chris, the good listen. news. Go ahead. Make a final point, and I got to go, Jack. Yeah, final point is, look, look at what she's trying to do is shift the debate. We're talking about how the president of the United States said you shouldn't work with the FBI, and she's going squirrel. Providing a no, relevant analogy that else. you can't answer We're looking for. at the president no and his law-breaking. Here's what we'll Law-breaking by the president. Nancy Pelosi, do something about it. All right. We're going to take that up also. But this is also something that I'll focus on in the closing, because this is a pretty easy legal analysis. You don't have to be a big shot lawyer to know this one. Kaylee? Jenk, thank you for making Always the argument. Always good to join you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. An assault on our democracy. Jenk is saying Pelosi should do something about it, especially if she's going to call it that. And that's what she said, that the president just put an assault. This is the latest of a string of really heavy condemnations of this president. So if they feel like this, that he clearly abused his office, that he may have committed crimes, doesn't the Constitution give them one path to follow? What am I missing? I have the head of the Democratic Party here to set me straight. Next. All right, so here's where we are. The Constitution suggests if the House believes the president abused his office and or committed high crimes and misdemeanors, they should start an inquiry. Is that decision being held up by fear of political fallout? And should that matter? The chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez, is here. Welcome back to primetime. Always good to have you, sir. Great to be with you, Chris. So I get it. I get it as a political calculation. Let's go slow. Let's see when the people come along. Let's see when there's consensus. But is that doing the job of Congress? Nowhere in the Constitution does it says, if popular, then do this. It's this is your job if you feel that way. And even Nancy Pelosi keeps saying things that are clearly in line with what would require that duty. Well, Chris, uh, I had the privilege of working at the Justice Department Mm -hmm. for over a decade, and I prosecuted a lot of uh, obstruction cases. I I know Title 18, United States Code 1512, all these statutes pretty well. And what you have to do is gather the facts. Mm -hmm. And I understand the uh, sense of urgency that people feel. This is the most dangerous president in American history. And there is there's there are there's such a mountain of serious allegations. And then you have the president uh, today or yesterday saying, hey, I'd accept foreign help, you know, more help from an adversary. I get that. But what you have to do and what I learned as a prosecutor is you got to gather the facts. And frequently when I was doing these cases, the, the subjects were obstructing. They, they made it really hard. They put up roadblocks. They didn't comply with subpoenas. And you can't just throw up your arms and say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, indict or, or, or move forward. You've got to methodically work through it. And there, there's been at least two court cases where we've won recently. And I think that's exactly what we have to do. And it's important to remember also, Chris, that there's a five-year statute of limitations on these statutes, and some of them actually uh, could go possibly longer. And what we also know is the only way to defeat this, to remove this president, is going to be at the ballot box. Look, that's fine. So I think what we're doing is a, uh, we're we're operating on two tracks here. I'm with you. I'm with you, but here's my pushback. Amass the evidence. Here's my pushback. Uh, One, 
The reason I wanted you, one of the reasons tonight is because you wear both hats. You understand the politics well and you worked at the DOJ. Two, it is not the job of Congress to beat the president at the ballot box. That is a decision for the American people, what they want, what they don't want. Their job is to follow their duties. You know this. Everything that you're describing about amassing the facts, that's what an impeachment inquiry is. I didn't say to impeach the president. I didn't say to bring articles of impeachment. They'll have to figure out if they have it. But clearly, they're being stymied in a way because they're not at maximal power. So I see it as binary. Either you say, look, they're stalling us. We know what he is. We know what he did. Let's just take it to the election. Our candidates will make the case. Or go all in. Don't dither because you're worried about political consequence. That's my criticism. Well, I... Yeah, I, and I don't see it as binary because I've, I've been involved in a lot of these investigations and they take time. I, I used to have so many frustrated stakeholders because uh, we were methodical. You open up one door and you realize there's four more doors that you got to go through. And, and that's exactly what the uh, chairs of the relevant committees are doing. And it isn't easy and it's not fast because... They're having to go to court a lot and they're going to win these court cases. And again, take time. And, and we and you're all not know getting right the maximum now, deference the from the memo, courts that you would. You'd get more deference from the courts, well, precedent suggests, if it were as part of an impeachment inquiry. But I want to beat this to death. I just wanted to get your take on it. And I appreciate it. I want your take on something well, else as well. We had Bill Maher on the show, blew up Twitter with what he was saying, blew up social media. I want to play one piece for you. Get your take. Some of them are. I don't even know what their raison d'etre is for running. I've, I've asked them. They've been on the show. I'm like, why you? <laughs> right off the bat, we're stumped. He said two things that I wanted your take on. One is that there are too many people. And what President Obama once said about the Republicans is that their firing squad is going to turn into a circular one. And that's no good for the mm-hmm. Democrats. The other one is, is they got to be careful about political correctness because they wind up punishing their friends. The only people they wind up punishing are people who care about the standards. And those are people who are already with them. And mm-hmm. the right doesn't give a damn. And it works to your disadvantage. Those two points, too many and too much PC. Do you sure. agree with either? Right. Well, uh, I don't think it's the place of the the role of the DNC chair to say there's too many, there's too few. I think we have a bumper crop of spectacular candidates. And there's 23 in, 22 aren't going to make it to the mountaintop. And my job is to make sure that everybody gets a fair opportunity to communicate their vision. And we are methodically moving through this debate cycle. And in September, we're going to be raising uh, the threshold. We've given people notice. And so they understand that you have to continue to make progress. And what I think is exciting about this process, Chris, is that there are so many engaged people because these candidates all have a base of support. And we have to play what I call a long game here, because if, if we're perceived at the DNC as saying, oh, candidate A, you shouldn't be in. Well, then we're going to be committing a lot of the fouls that got us in trouble four years ago. And so Mm. I firmly believe that we need to make sure we give everybody an opportunity because I believe the definition of success is to make sure that all the candidates who don't make it to the mountaintop believe and their supporters believe because it's true that they got a fair shake. Hey, would you ever think our nominee will sprint across the starting line? Would you ever think about doing something different? Let's say you get closer there and you still have, let's say, 10 that are doing somewhat well as you get close to convention time. Would you ever think about talking to them and say, listen, most of you, you don't have a shot. The delicate count's not going to work that way for you. But what if we put together a slate 
where we work together as a party and people take different cabinet positions. Of course, they still have to be vetted by the Senate. But you would present as a team, here's the government that we're going to bring in. Here's going to be, this one's going to be HUD, this one's going to be this, this one's going to be that. And it would be a number of talented people who would have been vetted by the voters in this country like no other cabinet ever had before. Is that even a possibility? Well, there, there may be a time and a place in the spring when the field has narrowed to have conversations um, similar to that. But what I think is important for viewers to understand is I think there are a number of factors that are going to uh, result in uh, the field narrowing with nothing from the DNC. And that is mm. uh, we're going to come up in the near future on uh, ballot access requirements. You, in order to get on the ballot in a number of states, you've got to do a lot of work. That requires resources. In order to run for president, you need a fair amount of money. And so yep. uh, if, if you can keep that money coming in, then you can sustain your campaigns. But it's hard for 23 people mm -hmm. to sustain a national campaign. We also have a very compressed schedule, Chris. Uh, when people are voting in Iowa on, in early February, they'll be getting their, their ballots in California for yep. Super Tuesday. No, I saw it. There's so no question. You can't simply win this um, nomination by planting yourself exclusively in Iowa. That's going to be very hard. I got you. You've got to build uh, a, 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 an infrastructure elsewhere. And so I actually think thing, forces will end up resulting in candidates who right. decide that uh, it's time for them to get out. But well, that's not for me to say, and that's not you. for me to say when. And I that's why, I, again, I, I really think that we have to play um, a much longer uh, game here and understand that we've got to give everybody that fair shake. Well, There's some it. remarkable candidates who are known in their state or their right. municipality, but they're not known by the nation. And uh, a debate like the ones coming up in June and July, and I'm looking forward to CNN in July, um, they could catch fire. Well, we'll see what happens. Tom shake. Perez, appreciate you always weighing in on what matters to our audience. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Sarah Sanders is out. Announced she's leaving. What does it mean? Why did it happen? D-Lemon next. All right. So the White House press secretary, Sarah Sanders, is on her way out. Her tenure has seen gross controversy, real questions over her credibility, and the death of the daily press briefing. We are in a new record of being shut out. D-Lemon, POTUS hinted she may run for governor of Arkansas. Her father was governor of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Your take? Uh, well, she's going to have to wait a while because uh, the governor was just elected last year, Asa mm -hmm. Hutchinson, and he's not done until 2023. So it would be a bit if she would still have the platform and the level um, of celebrity, if you will, or notoriety or name recognition then is yet to be seen. But she has definitely got some obstacles to overcome, not only the mistruths or lies, as we say, that she is told um, may come back to haunt her and her credibility. And, and also it is documented she said it for herself in the Mueller report that she was not truthful with the press. So I think mm -hmm. she has uh, she has some issues there. But you never know in this new normal or new whatever it is you want to call it. Nothing new about it. Lying is as old <laughs> as language. But not itself. to this degree, man. I got to tell you, it's not. Everyone says, oh, well, politicians always lie. Yes. But this is on steroids. This is a whole new chapter in our history when it comes to um, you know, the, at least the folks who are at the White House. We've never seen anything, never seen anything like, like this it. on any level. True enough. One more reason why open hearings with these people from the Mueller report is so important because nobody's going to read it. What do you got coming up? Well, I'm going to talk about this and and I'm going to ask this question early on in the broadcast. Would you even notice that she's gone if I didn't tell you? 
Well, we haven't been having any briefings. 94 days. Yeah. 94 days without a briefing. So, Mr. You don't want to miss this. Fareed Zakaria. One of the best. Guess who he interviewed? Let me guess. Nancy Pelosi? Nancy Pelosi. And he's going to share it. Uh, And you won't believe what she said. That's all I'll say. Hmm. I was wondering why I was embargoed. We tried to get it on the show. They said, no, I got some deal with somebody. I said, who? Wouldn't tell me. Right now here. I know. You'll get to hear all about impeachment, how she feels. Um, is she evolving? Who knows? But we'll, we'll, Fareed Zakaria will ask all those questions and she will answer them. And you'll An hear it on the exclusive look with Fareed and Captain <laughs> Ugly. I'll talk to you in a second. <laughs> Hyperpartisan times, no question about it. There is a lot of selective outrage from Republicans when it comes to the unethical antics of this president. For all those crying, but Hillary, but Hillary. Listen, there's certain things that we can break down and know as a matter of fact. Let's get them straight next. Once again, too many Republicans are too quiet when it matters. What they ignore, they empower. And certainly this president has seized on their silence and only increased his appetite for flouting norms, rules, and even laws. This statement about welcoming foreign interference is a low point, and even now, They're quiet. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell ignored the questions. And when the big voices do speak out, their words are often worse than the silence. Take Senator Graham of South Carolina. He forcefully says, no, don't take information from a foreign government about your opponent, but then says this. I hope my Democrat colleagues will be equally offended by the fact that this actually did happen in 2016, where a foreign agent was paid for by a political party to gather opposition research. If this president is bad, Hillary Clinton must always be worse. But instead of just squeezing up your face or turning it off, let's unpack it. Look at the law. Here it is. Very simple. Do not have to be a lawyer or any kind of sophisticate to get it. It shall be unlawful for a foreign national directly or indirectly to make a contribution or donation of money or another thing of value in connection with any election. So there needs to be a foreigner giving for free a thing of value in connection with an election. Now listen again to what the president said. There's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. Of course you'd want to hear it, but you're not supposed to. But that is pretty much exactly what his son did. He was excited by a meeting in which he'd meet with Russians who, quote, offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary. That was part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump, to which Trump Jr. responded, if that's what you say, if it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer. Just opposition research, says POTUS. Wrong, says Mr. Mueller. There are reasonable arguments that the offered information would constitute a thing of value. Two things saved this president's son. One, Mueller found that the information itself wasn't that valuable. There's a $2,000 threshold for it to be a crime. Two, it was unclear if Junior knew he was breaking the law. So he caught a break. But Clinton doesn't need a break here because the Steele dossier does not fit the felony. Clinton's campaign lawyers contracted with an American oppo research company, Fusion GPS, okay? They subcontracted with a former British spy, Christopher Steele. That he was a foreigner doing this work is not prohibited. They paid him. 
He didn't give them anything for nothing, for free. Campaign expenditure, not a campaign contribution. Foreign sources that he used. We don't even know if they had any idea what the purpose was behind his requests. And there is no indication they approached the campaign, let alone with anything of value, let alone for free. Now, I lay this out because the farce needs to be exposed. What the president said is wrong. What his son tried to do was wrong. That's probably why they lied about it and put out a false explanation. There is no need to try to mitigate the impact by casting blame on others. The energy should be on calling out what is wrong and then fixing the system. The right going quiet about this president is expected. But how can the Senate not want to require people to report foreign solicitations? How can Congress not be working together to harden the elections against known and expected future interference? They all agree, except this president, that Russia did it, is doing it now, and wants to do more of it in the next election. In this environment, and with this attorney general, let's be honest, we don't even know for sure that if the Russians did try to help his campaign again, do we even know that this attorney general would allow an investigation? If the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results, the definition of dereliction of duty is knowing that something is going to happen and it's going to be bad and doing nothing to stop it. And that's where we are. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.